0: Hello on a whim listeners and welcome to episode 10 of season two of the on the whim podcast. I am Paul Vella, I am one of your co hosts, and I'm normally joined by Jabari Lewis Smith, but as we covered in the previous episode. He is on hiatus uh, show, but don't worry, he's still behind the scenes, still making sure our podcast is posted um, on a timely manner, so don't worry, he's still around, but today I am joined by someone who you're familiar with, he has been a co-host before, Uh, he requires no introduction,
1: (laughs) oh, I'm going to need an introduction, I'm going to need quite a bit of who, who the heck is this Grover guy what what kind of freakish name is that
0: yeah that that's that is a good story right there what kind of freakish name is that would you would you want to go into that story a little bit no well it, introduce me first like
1: introduce me first i guess
0: i mean you've you've kind of introduced yourself already <laughs> but um but that this is hi. Grover Wimberly fourth. <laughs> yes hi um but but go ahead, Grover, go ahead and tell that story. Well sure. Yeah. Just, yeah, just that, for that, those what kind of footage yeah, yeah, name is that but, story? But
1: for those just uh, you know, coming in and listening in, I'm I'm the producer and director at Wim Indy. And uh, I do a lot of the game development stuff and I'm I'm filling in for jabs. So uh, I I'm not sure if the episodes are gonna be going in order or are you just gonna fill me in wherever I'm needed? I'm not sure.
0: Well, I mean I did say it was episode ten. Yeah,
1: so I yeah, for sure. This is episode 10 then. Um, but yeah, that story. Uh, yeah, we were at a... Um, where were we? Red Robin. Yes, right? we were at Red Robin. And I had reserved the the party for, what, four or five people for all of us coming in after the studio. And then they're like, Grover, Grover, party at five, Grover. And then this 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 uh, group outside of the thing is like, Grover, what kind of freakish name is that? As I'm walking right past them. <laughs> <laughs> and and you guys all laughed you laughed matt laughed red robin laughed it was it was a good time and
0: you died a little bit yeah. on the inside yeah yeah okay but yeah grover um it's th- good it's good to have you here thanks for filling in um i'm glad you're here because it, it saves yeah, the I'm audience glad. from having to just listen to me ranting to myself for an hour because i don't think they they want to listen to that at all so uh Grover, tell me, are the rumors true? Is Celatria wrapping up? Is it coming to an end?
1: Yes. Uh, the the rumors? Uh, uh, well, hmm. Um we're we're trying we're, in, we're we want to open up alpha testing for Celatria in the very near future and uh, I know we've opened up applications for it. Um, we're gonna start off with uh, doing alpha testing for chapter Four. Um, get some feedback on the difficulty of the game. Uh, we've been kind of holding it to ourselves for a while. Um, we wanted to show off chapter four to um, you know conventions this year, but you know that's not gonna happen, right? No, that's, yeah, no,'re no, no, no way. Mm-hmm. Nope. Uh, so we had to figure out a way in the studio to where we could kind of open it up to anybody. Um, so we, we're we learning the ins and outs of uh, Steam alpha and beta testing, and, and we're going to try to uh, get in as many players that are interested in playing uh, through Steam um, and go from there. Um, as for wrapping it up, uh, you know what they say about an artist's work, it's never finished. <laughs> There's a lot of things that, and this will probably be a future episode probably where I'll talk about a lot of the uh, things I wish I've changed, but... Um, but, uh, I mean, aren't you going to still write a book about that? Yeah. Um, at first I wanted to write a book. Uh, and then that was, that was, uh, I, I feel like if I write a book on Celestria, it's going to take as long as finishing the game itself. It'll be another 11 years. Uh, so what I'm thinking of doing is doing a bunch of Gama Sutra articles and a bunch of blog entries on the development of Celestria, and like a bunch of like smaller parts. And then, um, at the end, compile that all into a book, right? Like, here's my all my different articles on what happened and where things went wrong. Um, and uh, yeah, but uh, as for releasing the game, yeah, we're, we're doing, uh, we're going over some of the last cutscenes of the game, uh, and then uh, we're, I, I, we're actually in the, la- in the la- next couple of weeks we're going to be doing the cutscenes with the ending and the final boss. Um, but after that, uh, we want to kind of tie all the dungeons together. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of dungeons where the only parts of the dungeons that are done are the parts that have the cutscenes in them. So we need to kind of do the floors in between, um, just to connect everything together. And then once we do that, we'll go into testing, uh, beta testing. Uh, and then after that, that should be, that should be it for Solatria. But, um, you know, I, I want to get done with this as, as quickly as I can, but, you never know paul you never know
0: would it be safe to say that you're you're nervously excited about this coming to an end
1: yeah um you know it i you you remember when you were in college right and it's like you know i'm, I'm glad that this is done but but what's going to happen next that that's that's kind of how i'm feeling you know you're yeah that nervous you're, you're excited energy. to be to be to be over with it but then it's like okay well what do i do now what do i do with my what do I do with my Saturdays? What do I do? You know, you don't you don't have that consistent project to to fall back on. You got you yeah. know, there's something new that you have to do. There's something different that you have to move on to. Um, and I'm excited to to try out things that I just, you know, I've always said, oh, yeah, when when Celotria is done, I'll do that. When when Celotria is done, I'll take this class. When Celotria is done, I'll learn this skill. Um, and I don't want to say Celotria has held me back. I'm sorry.
0: What excuse will you have now?
1: Yeah, exactly. What so, will Grover well, do? Well, there is no, there really is no excuse. I, I, there's, there's a lot of skills I, and game engines that I wanted to learn. Uh, you know, I, you know, everybody wants to, everybody who's coming out of school, they like unity, this unity, that, and I wanted to learn some more unity. I built a small visual novel, uh, in unity. Um, but I want to expand my skills on that. And I also want to learn a game maker studio too. That's my personal favorite engine. So I want to, uh, maybe make some small games in that. I, you know, they might not necessarily be commercial games, but uh, if I if I see something that I like enough that I feel like I want to make a commercial game, you know, you guys will be the first to know.
0: I mean, we have made official announcements on mm-hmm. the On the Wim podcast, which I want to remind the listeners debuts every Tuesday. Pacific at time. At 8 p.m. Pacific time. And I have to emphasize that Pacific time, specifically Pacific time. Because if not, Grover will correct me. <laughs> Every
1: episode I listen to you guys, is like, it's going live at 8 p.m. I'm like, yeah, tell that to the East Coast users.
0: Why did this get posted till 11? <laughs> right. So, so Grover, let me ask you this. Where does that come from that being a stickler for making sure you specify pacific versus mountain central time romanian time
1: yeah um a part of it comes from my day job um because there's a i, I when i worked for firefox i had to deal with a lot of uh team members that that worked out of romania and they are when it was seven thirty 30 our time uh, it would be 530 their time. So when we would have our daily calls, we're just getting up and they're just about to leave. You know, they're about to go home. And there was a there was a difference in uh, daylight savings between our country and Romania's. Romania's will go like theirs would go into effect a couple of weeks after ours. So there would be one time where it's like, okay, I'll see you at 530. I was like, okay, you know, is this 5 30 your time is this 5 30 with the daylight savings i have no idea speaking of which i think daylight savings is, is yes uh, tomorrow.
0: just for yeah context listeners we yeah. are recording this by um, the time this episode goes the, live the day before be. daylight savings time springs forward <laughs>
1: it's already sp- sprung forward but yeah yeah yeah
0: but but um but
1: but yeah so uh when I was dealing with that, it was there was a lot of like, okay, they have they shifted their times, have we shifted our times? What time zone is it here? What time zone is it there? And it, it was just ah um and then now I work with a banking I work for a banking software for my day job and uh a lot of the team is on East Coast time. So um, you know, when they they always say, Okay, you're gonna be there for the deployment, the software deployment at 9 p.m. And at first I'm panicking, and I realize, oh, okay, that's six p.m. my time. Okay. Yeah,
0: your your mind you know. immediately goes to like, oh, I have to be <laughs> up in the well, middle of the night. Middle of the night for them, but it's the middle of the night for them. Yeah, yeah, not for you,
1: not for me, right? Yeah.
0: So, just out of out of curiosity, because you do you do um point that out, and point out my mistakes when I when I omit, um the the time zone, right? Well, and I purposely omit oh, yeah, that, like, that, daylight like, savings <laughs> time, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, PDT. Um, or, daylight or daylight savings, savings time, PST, right? So I, I purposely not, omit that.
1: We're about to go into, well, at least for our specific time zone, we're about to go into PDT. Uh, yeah, we're about to go into PDT and it won't be PST.
0: Anymore. I just don't even bother with the D and the S.
1: Yeah, you just say, you're gonna do PT and like it. it.
0: You you understand, yeah. Yeah. So back back to Celatria really quick.
1: Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. We're getting ready to finish that up. Uh, getting ready to release it. Right. Drop kicked a little baby bird out of the nest, literally. And right. I was, I was talking with Grover actually, as we're coming up to release. Um, just trying to get some more attention to it. I know we, me and Jabar have had discussions in the past about marketing and getting hype up for a game. And one of the thoughts I had to just garner Mm -hmm. some hype was generate a a tier list, like an S through F tier list, right? Like in Smash Brothers, where you have the S tier, which are the best characters uh, for whatever reason, whether it's the reach or the recovery. And then there's this F tier that just, you know, these are characters that are either gimmicks or they're fan service characters or or something, right? So they're just not good. So, um that's right. When yeah. I when I when I told Grover about this idea, Grover I put a, I
1: put a stop to that. <laughs> Grover
0: <laughs> disagreed with my idea. Yeah. Not to say that he would he he stopped me from doing it, but he just told me uh, mm-hmm. um he did not support it. So, I wanted to get your thoughts, Grover, on why are you against these tier lists?
1: <laughs> yeah, you're like, let's discuss this and in the show. Yeah, let's, let's discuss yeah, exactly. this in the this show is the time because I have it. a lot
0: to say. I, I'm looking forward to hearing this. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so uh, kind of going into it, um, meta gaming, right? That's the that's kind of what what we're we're going to be talking about. Um, and I I actually looked up the definition of metagaming because this kind of talks about tier lists and everything. Uh, if you were interested in hearing the definition.
0: Yeah, 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 tell the listeners so they, they have an, they have the idea of the the definition. Okay, yeah.
1: So metagaming is using an approach to a game that transcends or operates outside of the prescribed rules of the game. It uses external factors to affect the game or goes beyond the supposed limits or environment set by the game. And I think tier lists kind of fall into that because um, I don't... You know, coming from a developer's perspective, I personally don't think that the developer goes in and be like, "Okay, I'm going to make sure this character sucks. I'm going to make sure this character is just bad and, you know, is in this bottom tier. Right. Um, And this happens a lot in fighting games. Right. Um, They're like, "Okay, Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Right. Um, That was the one of the first games I've heard about tier lists. Um, because everybody put uh, Meta Knight on this super high S tier thing because like his attacks always superseded everybody else's when it comes to like conflicts and whatnot. Um, and and a person who can play Meta Knight in Brawl was just better than anybody else um, because of that, you know, the way the game was programmed. But I, I don't yeah, go ahead. Yeah,
0: it was it was the broken character.
1: He was the broken character. Um but I don't think to me to me it's almost insulting when you say, "Hey, you know, developer, what do you think of these 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 uh characters or these things uh that you created? And where would you rank them?" And then you're forced to like get an answer like, "Oh, okay, this is the best character, this is the least character, you know, the least favorite character." It's it's like saying, you know, it's like having children and it's like, "Okay, which which kid is your favorite?" You know, um, you know, in a, in a perfect world, you'd say, you know, I love all my kids the same, you know, but, um, to, to me, it's like that, you know, that's, I, I, I can't answer that question. I made all the characters. I like them all. Um, but you know, there are exceptions to this rule. Um, the main one that uh, comes to mind is Dan from street fighter. Have you played street fighter, Paul?
0: Um, I kind of played street fighter, but I, uh, I know the story of Dan.
1: Yeah. So Dan, Dan is a character that's like, he's, um, he's very arrogant, right? He does a lot of taunts in his, in his move sets and whatnot. And he's designed to be, he is designed to be a weak character, but he's supposed to be one of those characters like, okay, if you're, you know, if you don't know how to play the game or something and somebody who's really skilled does kick your butt as Dan, then they can kind of glow and say, Hey, I beat you as Dan. You really need to learn how to play this game. You know what I mean? Um so Dan Dan was treated like this joke character, you know, he's not supposed to be played competitively, but if he is, that's like okay, wow, you got schooled by Dan. Um so um so that, that that's my only exception to tier lists there. I, I you know I I I don't believe in making tier lists as a developer. Um I don't I I believe that should be left to the players. The player should you know it is important for players who like to do meta gaming to to you know come up with these lists and whatnot to find out you know who's the best character and who the worst character is and it's the developer job to take a look at that tier list and say like okay why why is he in the F tier? What can we do to make him a better him or her a better character him her them a better
0: character so the only point um, of comparison that I have of tier lists is where the community has developed a list is Mass Effect, um, which has a party system. And similar to Solitria, right? We, we have a party system, different classes. You know, we have, our, we have our tank, we have our DPS, we have a healer, right? And my thinking behind making this ranking tier list is what party would I run? Right. Right. And I always joke around with Lewis because I personally Mm -hmm. would put him in the F tier in early game because he requires just so much setup for even the chance of casting a spell. Right. His class is called geezer for a reason. And I feel like he's a almost a gimmick character. Was that what we were going for? Cause I remember when we first were thinking of that character, it was the based on the old man in Viridian City who Correct. Yeah. So
1: Lewis was uh Lewis was inspired by a variety of different characters. Uh you are right. Uh one of those inspirations was the old coffee man in Viridian City who blocked your ways like, I haven't had my coffee, but I could teach you how to catch Pokemon, you know. Um that was one of the inspirations. Um, the second inspiration was a character from Final Fantasy IV. His name was Tella. And Tella um, was an old sage who forgot how to use spells. And he would constantly forget how to use spells. Um, but when he did remember them, they were super, super powerful. And uh, in Final Fantasy IV, um, it's a, a bit of a spoiler. He He's only a temporary character. As soon as he remembers his, the spell that he's been questing to get, he dies. Um, and and then that's it, right? He doesn't come back for the rest of the game. Um, but uh, and originally Lewis was gonna be that he was only gonna join in for that um, that part of the game, and that was it. You know, after that, after that section of the game was done, he was gonna go back and live his life while the main, you know, Mage and Melanie and number 16 went on to do the rest of the thing but i had liked the lines that we wrote for him and especially after we casted river kane off as the voice of lewis i really liked how um how that character was portrayed and and the way we programmed him for getting spells i was like yep let's make him a character for the rest of the game um yeah and I, you know I it agree. was that
0: river was an yeah. exceptional casting choice for that role
1: yeah it and it was funny um I don't know if River's gonna listen to it. I didn't choose River. Uh I I wanted there was a there was another uh voice actor, and he sounded way more frail. Um, but most of you guys, you guys chose River, the, the team did, and uh that ended up to be the, the best choice, especially for the rest of the game. Um, so my my choice as director was was wrong on that one. River, River was the best choice, even though I didn't pick him. So
0: with Cellitria coming to an end. Those do those kind of decisions start coming up on you, sneaking up on you that you know, Celotria's yeah. been in X amount of time development. Mm-hmm. You know, those, you know, have those kind of thoughts start creeping in, those second guessing yourself? What if I made this kind of decision versus this kind of decision?
1: No, uh I, I haven't had the I, I'm gonna call that the Zack Snyder moment. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, we were, you released Justice League. This is not what I wanted at all. Um, no, um, you know, there's some things that I, I was really against, but we ended up going with it anyway. Like, I wanted, uh, number 16 to be like a cutesy assassin. But, um, no, no, I, I, in the end, I think the decisions that the team overruled me on were the better decisions. Um, and i i mentioned this multiple times too if the game was purely my vision and nobody else's the game would have would have sucked yeah um, i agree there's a lot of uh there's a lot of things that you know i i feel like i made my my input wins with like the team attack battle system and stuff and there's some complete misses that i had too, like um the the reserve points um a lot of people are very cons- uh confused by that but um you know i you know, game development's a it's a team effort, and uh, and I I think that a lot of the I there's there's really no no regrets on like oh I should have done it this way or I should have done it this way, um, but I will apply some a lot of these learned lessons to the next game, whatever that may be.
0: So when it's community community generated, either led by me or anybody else, um, yeah. what what party members fit into the S tier. Or or whatever, right? You right. How would you feel about that? How would you feel about the community creating something like that? Be, would you be one of those uh, de- developers that would give input when that's made? When it comes to things like that,
1: um, I think it's best for us to kind of you know we're always watching and we're always reading what people have to say about that kind of stuff. You know, it's important. Like I said, I. I don't I don't think tier list should be removed. I, I just don't think that developers should have a say in what the tier lists are. Um I, I when players come up with it, when dedicated hardcore metagamers come up with tier list, that's for the developers to go in and kind of take a look at it. It's like, okay, they put this guy in F tier. Why is this person in F tier? Um, what what can we do to make either make the other the higher characters worse or the worse characters better? um and my philosophy goes along with naoki yoshida's philosophy who's the director of final fantasy 14. uh whenever he sees something that's kind of broken he doesn't in most cases he won't make class he won't make the balance he won't make the powerful classes weaker he'll always make the weaker classes stronger right he wants to have the people like he wants to have, Keep the elements that are fun for the people who like playing the ones that are in the higher tier, but the ones that are in the lower tier is like, OK, a lot of people don't like playing this. A lot of people don't like playing this character. What can we do to make this better? And they put a lot of work and, and love into either reworking that character or buffing that character or changing that character's movesets or abilities to make it so that people would like to play that character and that that that, that character is more balanced with the other ones.
0: That makes sense. So yeah. you wouldn't be the kind of developer to give input, but you are okay with the community yes. generating because it has happened before. I know uh, members of the community have created walkthroughs for various sections of the, the game. To
1: do.
0: Um, I remember there's one part where they wrote their their way of beating a boss.
1: Right. That's a really good point. Uh, One of the good examples of this was uh, the final boss of Chapter 2, when you're fighting against uh, one of the commanders of the Doctrine Empire, and you're fighting this cannon that's going to go off in five turns. And the accepted strategy, um, as spoiler alert, as developers, we were designing the fight to be completable at level 23 or 24-ish. And then we gave some extra abilities at level 26 to certain characters if you're really, really having trouble to help you kind of really go ahead and 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 kind of guide it along but uh some car- some some players uh were adamant into leveling up to like level 39 level 40 almost twice the level that you needed to be to beat the thing and they did it in the reverse order and they're like oh I'm having trouble oh yeah just grind 20 levels and beat it beat this boss first and then beat the other one and so what we did was uh you know while keeping that existing strategy valid, right, so that the strategy isn't timeless, or it it is timeless, uh, we went and and made it so that we put it more in line of how we wanted it to be played, um, and gave hints and suggestions on how to do that. I I think the boss was tuned a little bit too high for um, the player, uh, so we had to make it a little bit easier. But, you know, if they want to grind up to level 40, they can still do it that way. It's it. But you know, it's not the efficient way to do it anymore.
0: No. Yeah, I I could not imagine grinding to level 40 to beat that boss. But then again, I have beaten the game as it is right now. Um and I remember trying to avoid letting you all know on the dev team right when I was playing through it. Um and I just for the record, I I've played Chapters one, two, and three, which is officially of called Celatria, mm-hmm. the advent of the Docker and Empire, which listeners is available for sale on, um, on Steam.
1: Uh, just, just Steam, right? Just now. Steam. We took the itch.io off while we're reworking the, the page, but yeah, it's still available on Steam.
0: So, yeah, yeah, shameless plug. If listeners, if this sounds interesting, give it a try. But when I was playing it, I made sure, yeah, like I said, I made sure not to let the dev team know what was going on and whenever you guys were talking about tweaking something or or i would suddenly drop a, a my experience in right and grover and the team would just look at me and like paul oh look at you paying attention for once mm-hmm. and unbeknownst to them i was actually playing through the game so i'm i know what 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 their ideas were and what were they coming from uh, from the developer side of things
1: that that was probably the best thing to do paul because um our team our development team has a tendency to backseat game mm. a lot and uh it was probably best that you kind of played it in secret and and uh told us later on oh yeah i i played that i played that boss yeah um you know we we've stopped backseat gaming as much um i know we were watching a stream the other day of of uh lucian snake right uh she was on the Indie, uh Discord, and uh, she was she was giving us a lot of feedback, um, and I, I I do my best to be. She's like, what do I do? Where do I go? I'm like, use the game hints to figure it out. You know, there'd be some times where it's like, do you want a hint? You know, and I'll give them the hint if if she really wants it, but um, but most times I I just try not to backseat game and just like silently write down a lot of notes and report them as bugs and stuff that me John and Matt will fix later.
0: Yeah. Um, Wu Snake has a very strong affinity. Yeah, she, for
1: Matt, she always goes,
0: Matt, Matt, why did you do this? Who, who designed this dungeon? Who designed this? You know, she went on a good rant during one of her streams, just talking about how our characters break the fourth wall and just how yeah. these certain ways to exploit the system and whatever, and and she she just says, but I yeah. love it so
1: Solatria was was developed in a in in a in an environment that i don't think we'll be able to replicate again because of the just the way our lives have become right they're more structured and rigid um when we started Solatria, there were no there was no hacking plan there was no the t- task management software there was no you know Slack or anything like that. We were just like, okay, we're just going to work on this. didn't matter what we were working on. It could be something completely different. And we came up with a lot of our most creative work then. Um, But, you know, real life hit and we really had to kind of hunker down. um, Because if we had continued going down that way, the game would never be finished, ever, ever be finished.
0: So, listener, just envision a section of a wall that's maybe a section uh, 16 by nine square foot section, just covered, and sticky notes. Oh yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah, I totally remember that. But that that was our our so our software tracking for that.
1: Yeah, or or for the more software and en- you know engineers in the in the audience like Trello, or we use Hack and Plan, which is very similar to that. It's uh like a Kanban virtual post it note system. But yeah, before that, we just had little post-it notes placed everywhere. I had like yellow notebooks of crossed out things that I would lose and find. Fun fact, uh, Spellbearers, like Spellbearer was one of the rejected name for one of the classes we were gonna have for Tria. And I just found it, uh, like when we were cleaning up the studio, I found the name Spellbearer. I was there. In one of like those post-it notes. And I was, "Yeah, and we're like, Jared, that's the name of the game, Spellbears, and he loved it, too. So yeah, I it was funny. it's
0: it's funny how far um, we've come as a studio, right? from from sticky notes to right to more a more rigid instruction environment. The only time I can envision us going back to that free form is only during planning and pre-production.
1: Brain brainstorming. Yeah, brainstorming. Where
0: are in anything goes phase. Wim Indie has been known to have days where we bring have the contributors come in and we buy food and we play games together in the before times. Yes. In the before times. Yes, in the before time. Yeah. Before the COVID, which is um uh if uh, the the one year this is the one year anniversary when this That's podcast right. is being recorded it's crazy to think about but in the before time we would bring all these contributors together we would play video games together for science and as the days coming to a close we would all come together and report our findings right what did you enjoy what didn't you enjoy and i think that would be the closest uh, when we do right. go back to normal post-COVID, I think, um, the free form way of, of how we used to do design. That that collaboration time. Right. So um we mentioned earlier metagaming. Right. And I I think uh, the majority of listeners and myself um was our first encounter of metagaming has to be either Mario Kart yeah. or or Pokemon. I was just gonna ask you what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pokemon maybe to a little bit more of an extent. Yeah, I still remember. Um, I I, I mentioned we mentioned this before. Me and Grover have been friends since high school.
1: Yeah, about two two thousand
0: four. I think. Yeah, I think I met you oh four oh five. Yeah, I remember. We would have our Nintendo DSs and we would play Mario Kart right at lunchtime every day and trying to beat matt and for the listener um we might not have we mentioned matt before uh matthew estrada is one of the four uh co-owners of Wim Indy. so it's myself uh we got grover here jabari and then
1: matt yeah he's also the guy that whoosh and snake curses out because yeah that that for context
0: (laughs) sake right yeah (laughs)
1: Yeah, 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 and that we were just talking about in the stream, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Matt, I want to say, if not the best, one of the best persons I've ever raced against in Mario Kart. He's one of the best gamers I know. Like, yeah, one of the best gamers, period. Yeah. Um. Whenever we're... um, When we were doing still in-person podcasting, me and Jabari were talking about Matt's just dominance, right? because it would take several seconds, maybe even a minute for once right. Matt crossed that, the yeah. finish line for second place to cross the finish line.
1: And we were like, how, how did we do it? They're like, is he cheating? Like, what is he doing to be so far ahead of everybody else every single time? Like, you know, I would yell like, oh, he's hacking, he's hacking, hack, hack. And I was like, I just did not understand how he could be so far ahead of everybody else. Like to a point where like, sometimes he would even overlap us. Yep. Like, and, and, and it's like, it couldn't, it couldn't be the character. It couldn't be the car. Like, what was he doing? What was he doing to, to, to be so good at Mario Kart? Right. And so, you know, I, I went home and I Googled it and, it, you know, it's like, what, like, how, how is this happening? What, what's going on? And it's like, oh, he's snaking, like snaking. What is that? i had no idea and snaking uh in mario kart it's it's where you deliberately hold the r button and press left and right repeatedly um to go back and forth um in order to get uh draft boost i think that's the term right um and what 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 matt was doing was that he would go left and right on a straight you know it, i think the the game designers planned it so that you would you would do this on turns right so you can bank those turns and get uh a speed boost but he was doing it on on a straight track so he would just go left and right on straight track going back and forth getting those uh speed boosts (laughs) so it's like okay so I, i you know i spent a good weekend uh practicing on mario kart ds so i can do it um and I, there was only one car I could pull this off on. Like it was designed to be pulled off using Yoshi and the tank. That was the best. That was that meta combination, right? Yoshi, tank, and then you snake. You get the, the best amount of speed boost on the, you know, with the fastest car, with the character who can do it the best. But the only character I can pull this off on was Toad and the cucumber car. I remember. And, and it wasn't anywhere near as fast as the tank. But I wasn't getting overlapped anymore, and um, but I was able to kind of hold my own. You know, there would be sometimes uh, I would be in second, and and I was like, why did Matt? Do-? You know, I would I would be right behind Matt, and he would just put on the brakes, right? He would slam the brakes, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe he gave up. Nope, a blue shell is coming, and it hits me. It's <laughs> yeah, second, third, fourth. There's Paul. There's Neil. One, two, three. There's Gino. And then and I finally get control of my, my character again.
0: Yeah. Um, Matt, I remember one time Matt um slowed down and I stopped because I knew the blue show trick. And he backed up into me. I did not see that coming. Oh, yeah, Matt was always mm-hmm. one step ahead of us. And um and that was always the trend. Yeah, it was
1: it was a race for we called it the race for seconds. It was the That's race for second,
0: Yeah, and
1: even though we figured out we all all of us figured out how to snake, all of us you know, but it it was still just not good enough to to beat Matt. Um, and so we just you know we had fun race for second, and it was just always a given that you know Matt would get first. Um, and that was that. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about was you know you mentioned Pokemon earlier, right? Um.
0: Up until, yeah, that the Pokemon is would be one of the more thorough, oh, yeah, more detailed metagaming structures, right? Right, so um, IVs, EVs. Mm-hmm. I remember there was an uh, an NPC in a random town in Ruby Sapphire that would tell you, right, the, the traits of your Pokemon. Well, your trait, your Pokemon's average or it's exceptional. And at the age of 14, 15, it didn't dawn on me that he was telling me the my pokemon's metagaming qualities right
1: right so you know you guys got into pokemon before i did um i i played red blue and yellow when they came out yellow was the that was the first game i ever pre-ordered and that was that was memorable to me because that was the last game my mom bought me before she passed away um and uh and then i played gold and silver my dad uh dealt a lot of business in Japan so I got an imported gold and silver hmm. before anybody else did I didn't know what it was but you know I used seirbi.net way back in the 90s to figure out where to go and what to do I couldn't read a lick of Japanese um and and then I got the American gold version and I played the heck out of that too um and then when I got into 6th grade they're like okay Pokémon's not cool anymore you know haha you're playing Pokémon so I stopped playing Um, and, uh, fast forward, I got back into it 2007, um, or two early 2008. It was after diamond and Pearl came out, but I went and got diamond and Pearl. Um, and, and, you know, I was like, okay, I'll beat Matt. You know, I was just playing with this old school mentality from gold and silver. There was none of these extra values. There was just your Pokemon are the strong and that's it and uh you know i'll, I'll bet I'll, I'll fight Matt, and matt's like okay bring it on you know I'm like okay i got the best pokemon you know i got my legendaries blah 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 and even my legendaries were getting their butt kicked by matt's just normal regular pokemon and i'm like how is this you know just like mario kart right how is this happening what what are we doing wrong to where this is this is a thing um ah uh, geez i can't remember the name of the pokemon but um it was, fa- it was, it was a, uh, it was a slow, uh, Bre- Breloom? Yep. Yep. Bre- Breloom. Breloom. It was, that was the first Pokemon I went up against and he was just faster than all of my Pokemon. He would put me to sleep and then he would just punch, punch my Pokemon to death and they would still be asleep and I couldn't do anything about it. And I've learned that Breloom is a fairly slow Pokemon.
0: <laughs> so if, if I recall correctly, that strategy involved Breloom. Learning a certain move that would need to be be uh, passed down from right. uh, through the yeah. hereditary line, right through breeding. I- I'm trying to remember that, but um, if, if for whatever reason I'm like getting this wrong, if you have any hate mail, make sure you send it to on a whim at whimindy.com. Yeah, but um, and it, it 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 took an embarrassing amount of time to realize how much work Matt put into oh, he these put games. put
1: in hundreds of hours. Hundreds, easily.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hundreds of hours, Mario Kart, Pokemon, Smash Brothers. And it was in an amount of time that I was unwilling to put into it. Yeah. So hence the... Race for second place. So um, I'm just going to catch up, you know, casual players up to
1: speed, right? So there's um, Pokemon. We were talking about it. We were mentioning it. There's the Pokemon has two values of each Pokemon called EVs and IVs. Uh, EV stands for effort values and IV stands for intrinsic values. Now, EVs um, are gained when you defeat wild Pokemon or if you defeat trainer Pokemon and they're secret values. The game does not tell you outright. Um. Well, I think the later games might, but I, I thought you know, Diamond and Pearl didn't um like if you defeat like a rat attack, right? Your your speed EVs will go up and your Pokémon has a higher um opportunities to get speed stats. So, in a turn-based game like Pokémon, speed is in for for mo- in most cases speed is the most important stat because you want to be able to go first before your opponent, right? Cuz if you're going second, What's the point, right? You're going to get beaten by your opponent's Pokemon. Um, and I think what Game Freak, the developer, wanted to do with EVs and IVs is they wanted to not make every Pokemon the, the same, right? If you're catching two level six Ratatats, they're going to be a little bit different. And I think that's what they designed to do. But in the terms of the metagaming, um, people are like, okay, I don't want this this Pokemon. This Pokemon has really bad intrinsic values. This Pokemon's got really bad speed values right and then they um and then they use websites like um smoggin smoggin university Mm -hmm. they they put they put they organize all you know a thousand pokemon into these tiers right there's underused and overused and not used i i don't know all the tiers off the top of my head but they use you know the 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 potential of different pokemon and and rank them that way and the community goes back and forth like okay yeah I use this this pokemon with this move set with these evs and it could not be this pokemon with this move set with this evs and ivs and it's a lot you know there's there's a lot of pokemon that were kind of when I stopped play, I stopped playing at the end of sun and moon yeah same um, here and i and i might get yeah and i'm and i know we're going to talk about pokémon in a future episode so i'll I'll save that for that but um I had some works in progress that you know I just kind of like you. It's like I, you know, I I really want to do that. It's got all the right EVs. It's got all the right IVs. I've reset the game multiple times to get this right. Um, but I I I'm bored. I want to go play another game <laughs> that that doesn't feel like a chore to me. But it's like, well, how much do you want to do to be able to win, right? Um, I it,
0: it and maybe allow me to tease the listener. For, um, for a, a future episode right yeah. um the remasters coming out the um this um these new uh this whole meta thing metagaming thing has been embraced by developers and we could even make the argument oh, they that metagaming has been made oh yeah easier absolutely they make it by easier every
1: generation um another thing i didn't yeah another thing i didn't mention i'm sorry paul um is that each pokemon has different natures and and natures uh have inherent boosts to stats and inherent penalties to stats right and that all plays a part in metagaming too and the newest pokemon game i know i haven't played it yet sword and shield um they have a way where you can use items to change your pokemon's nature so those pokemon that you grew up with that you know may have not had the right nature or whatever you can fix quote unquote fix them um so that they can have the, the nature to be competitive and i thought that was one of the good um things that that you know they don't make this so punishing and so time-consuming
0: so would you say this next generation of pokemon um whatever uh, i think the diamond and pearl remix whatever they're called
1: uh brilliant diamond and shining pearl there Uh it is
0: uh just for the heads up we are not sponsored by pokemon or game freak
1: game game freak this is the first one game freaks not developing it's being developed by a different company right That, that
0: that is really interesting because now that Game Freak isn't going to be the developer yeah. of it, but would you, um,
1: in the next, episode, would you
0: yeah. say this next, uh, the direct, the direction Pokemon is going, would you say you're excited about it? Um, I think
1: that uh, Pokemon. I I know you you have said many times that it you've kind of outgrown it. Like this isn't your your thing. Um, but I I, I yeah, I think it's more remains to be seen. Because there's there's some things that's like, okay, where are they going with this? Like, you know, with with not a, not enough Pokemon in the game or they took some of them out. And I'm like, okay, are you doing this for a meta reason? Are you doing this for a uh, you-don't-have-time reason? Um, and I, I have no idea where the series is going to go. Um, but I, I think I'll save a lot of my thoughts for that Diamond and Pearl episode. Okay.
0: okay. So yeah. l- let me ask you this. What... Are you excited for gaming wise?
1: Jeez. I had this written down. Okay, so Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. That's the that's the biggest one. Um that 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 was in the Nintendo Direct a couple of weeks ago. Um I was not I was never a super Legend of Zelda fan, right? Um I had a habit of starting a Zelda game. And just kind of stopping because I would get lost. And I didn't know where to go. And I was seven. I was like, okay, I'm bored. I'm going to play something else. Um, so I never really got into it. Uh, I got more into Final Fantasy, which was more like, okay, you're going to go here and you're going to do this, and and you know, you're going to save the world, right? It was very much a you knew exactly where you were going and exactly what you had to do. And seven to nine year old me understood that a lot more. Now that I'm a little bit older, I went back and revisited some Zelda games. Now that you know. I can always look at the internet if I get lost. Right. That's one. Um, but two, um, breath of the wild. Um, when I played, um, I played ocarina of time and I beat that. I used some guides and I said, I wouldn't play breath of the wild until I beat ocarina of time. So, um, once I beat that, um, I went to play breath of the wild. I was just blown away by how good that game was. Um, it, it had that whole getting lost Zelda feel. Um, But whenever I got lost, there was always something to do, and that kind of feels like me in real life. (laughs) Uh, And like, and what what I mean by that is that I'm I'm always I always feel like I have to have something to do. Um, I don't like idle time at all. And uh, Breath of the Wild felt like that. It's like, okay, I'm just gonna run into this field. Oh, what? There's a, you know, it gave you just enough to where. If you didn't know where you were going, there was something across that hill or around the corner that you could do, some kind of quest, some kind of dungeon, some kind of temple that you can go into or some kind of puzzle. And I, I fell in love with the game. To this day, that's the game I've spent most of my time playing on the Switch. And I have not touched that game in three years.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and it still had, it's still the game with the most of that of play time. Um, but I, I just love Breath of the Wild. And it made me want to play some of the other games. Um, so I went back and played Link to the Past, and I, I liked Link to the Past. I finally finished that one. Um, I went back and played Link's Awakening and beat that. That was pretty fun. Um, and and now they said, oh, Skyward Sword had a, a lot of these things that were refined in Breath of the Wild, like the stamina system and climbing and, and parachuting down the thing. I was like, okay, yeah. And it's supposed to be the first... The, the, it's supposed to be like the Legend of Zelda origin story. It's supposed to be the first one in the timeline. Um, because Legend of Zelda's games have all these conv- I don't know if you know about it, Paul. Like, you know, the Legend of Zelda timeline, like, each game is, like, all over the place. It's like, okay, if Ganon defeated Zelda a thousand years ago, and the world was covered in water. Then this game happens. But if you defeated Ganon in this game and saved the world, and you went back to being young Link again, then this game happens. Um, and it's a really convoluted storyline. Um, and I, and I, I know for the Zelda fans, there I'm very tr- I'm trivializing it a bunch. But Skyward Sword is supposed to be before all of that. You know, there's no Zelda baggage, if you will. Um, and, um, and it kind of shows the origin of the master sword and things like that. So I'm, I'm really excited to play that. I skipped it on the Wii and Wii U, and I'm excited to play it on the switch. I didn't mean to get
0: into a long word vomit. No, 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 that, that was quality word vomit right there. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, that's perfectly fine. It's, it's curious because it's, um, personally, um, the games I find enjoyable, like Skyrim, oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, Mass Effect, have more um, that Western RPG, but are still have that same exploration that um, where you can explore the wilderness, and you come to a fork in the road, and you go left, and you know, as opposed to going right, and you know, yeah. ten minutes, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, you think it's a ten minute adventure in and out. 5 hours later you're at the final dungeon boss and you're getting your ass kicked. Right and and it's it's awesome when games you know give you an open world uh and when a game does that right you get drawn in the immersion is so real. And um and like you said Legend of Zelda um Ocarina of Time, Skyward Sword, these these games exist outside a particular timeline so they did the marvel cinematic universe before the mcu did it before uh oh yeah for disney that, got it, they're involved yeah. right
1: and it's not it's not as important to the mcu to where like oh you have to understand all the games up before to came to, to understand breath of the wild but you will understand a lot of like hints right um like oh that that was the temple of time but it's in ruins you know you know things like that it's really subtle um but uh, I know you mentioned Skyrim. I, I um, that's not a. I know that's a game that's been out forever. I have it for the Switch. I've had it for the Switch for several, uh, maybe a year or two, and I haven't had a chance to play through it yet. So um, I know I, I'm saving. I saved it for this year. I wanted to play through the pandemic, but now the pandemic's coming to a close, or we're we're on the. I don't want to say it's coming to a close. It's kind of on. It's you know.
0: Uh, we are rounding the corner. Slowly moving downward. Yeah, we're rounding the corner. I think, and, and you know, now I've, I've truly believed that.
1: Yeah, now now vaccinations are going out and whatnot. But one of my goals this year is to still play through um, Skyrim and maybe The Witcher. Witcher might be next year, but Skyrim for sure. That's a two important piece of gaming history that I have not touched yet. Um,
0: I, I heavily recommend playing The Witcher, The Witcher series. I've heavily recommend <laughs> playing Skyrim you know those those western RPGs that I have a stronger affinity towards um I I I am not into JRPGs so um and we've discussed that before that's not my my forte not my taste yeah. but um you and Jabari um do enjoy RPG or JRPGs but
1: funny enough I'm actually looking forward to Mass Effect Trilogy Remaster 2 right cuz I never had a chance to play through Mass Effect, right? And, you know, when I see Mass Effect, I'm like, oh, okay, I don't want to go back to those old systems to play it. Um, and uh with the, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get a PS5 and Mass Effect uh trilogy remastered is actually one of those that I uh I I, I don't think I'm going to buy it at full price. I'll probably wait till there's like some kind of sale on it. You um, always usually,
0: wait to the sale.
1: Yeah. Um because it's not a I, I'm not really attached to the franchise like you are but i still want to give it a chance. so um when when there's a maybe a winter sale or something i'll probably get it for the ps5 then.
0: right? and um and once you do get mass effect um you get the remastered edition, i promise i will avoid spoiling it for you as much as possible because you deserve to go through those games with as little spoilers as possible about characters and decisions. Yeah. And and I know how you are about spoilers. So
1: yeah. um, all I know is the third ending sucks. So,
0: so that's the thing, right? <laughs> I, um, for a lot of people, but there is still right. a good amount of people, even a majority of people who enjoyed the ending of Mass Effect 3. Yeah. And I think I mentioned this a few episodes ago. Um, the older I get, um, the more entwined I am with game development. Uh, looking back, I realize... Why decisions were made? What was what went into the decisions? um, Not to you know, not not validate twenty three year old Paul's feelings, however, what I was when that ending came out. I was. um, I I realized. I was crying about Garuda and
1: Final Fantasy fourteen. You were crying about the Mass Effect three ending.
0: Exactly, we went to Depression IHOP
1: Mm.
0: for at midnight or something because of it.
1: Speaking of Final Fantasy, um, one that's one of the yeah that's one of the games I'm looking forward to, uh, the new expansion for Final Fantasy 14 Endwalker that's coming out in fall. It's supposed to be the conclusion of the the storyline of Final Fantasy 14 that's been going on since 2010, since I was crying about fighting Garuda way back when. Um, so I'm really excited to see see how that's gonna unfold. It's gonna have the players go to the moon. Which uh for Final Fantasy Four reference, that that was one of the big areas in that game. So that that's something I'm really looking forward to. Um
0: The the more time goes, the more things stay the same, huh Grover?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um uh new Pokemon Snap.
0: Yep, hey, that is that ever, is coming out.
1: Did you ever play
0: Pokemon Snap? I game? sure did. Did you how did you like it? It was different. Um I don't know what I was expecting at the time, but it definitely wasn't Pokemon Yellow. Um, mm-hmm. I think it came out before Gold and Silver, so.
1: So one of one of my fondest memories of Pokemon Snap was uh, I would uh, the Blockbuster was doing a promotion where the pictures you take in the game you took in the game you can upload you you take your cartridge to Blockbuster, uh, to this to this kiosk and you can actually print you can actually print the Pokemon Snap uh, pictures out as little stickers. And my mom's favorite Pokemon was Butterfree. She loved Butterfree, right? So I was like, okay, I'll take a picture of Butterfree and we'll, we'll get it printed at Blockbuster. So we, we, I went to level, took a perfect, like a plus picture of Butterfree. And, uh, when we went to the kiosk and we we put in Pokemon Snap and we we printed it out and we got the sticker, uh, she put it up on the the little rearview mirror in the corner. Uh, of I don't know if you remember that Red
0: Explorer car. That uh, I remember a that Red time. Explorer.
1: Yeah. It was in that corner, of that rearview mirror, until we sold the car all those years later. So po- uh, new Pokemon Snap, they'll bring those memories. And now we can all, you know, we can uh, use po- uh, the Nintendo Switch share, right? Um, to save those those pictures to our computers, and then we can print them out, out however we want, right? So, come a long way since Blockbuster, but uh, I I'm kind of looking forward to kind of revisiting those memories, and I hope that game has a butterfree. Um, it better, <laughs> better, <laughs> better. Um, have you ever played Fall Guys, Paul? No, I have not. Um, I'm interested. I I've not played Fall Guys either. Um, it is coming out on the Switch uh, in the summer, um, and that's that's one of the games I'm looking forward to. It's like one of those, like, well, I, have you heard of it? it oh, works? yeah, I've definitely
0: or... heard of it. Um, it re- it's one of those games that was very successful during the yeah. pandemic. It's kind of got that battle royale feel to it, but instead of a battlefield, it's a obstacle course, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And you're just racing each other. Trying to survive yeah. through the obstacles.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm excited to get that on the Switch. Um, because I I, I I've kind of hinted like 90% of the game my gaming is on the Switch. I, I may come off as a casual, filthy but, uh, casual. Like so, yeah. Most of the times I'm really tired. Um, you know, and um, when with me traveling uh, between California and Nevada a lot, I'd rather not like oh I got to boot up my PC or I got to Go on my PS4 through the cloud or something like that. It's like, okay, yeah, it, I could just, just turn convenient. on my Switch. yeah, I just turn on my Switch. So I get most most of my gaming on the Switch done. So Fall Guys on the Switch would be great. Uh, Bayonetta three, I don't, I I'm excited for that, but I don't think it's coming out this year. <laughs> I, I can always dream. I, I Bayonetta one was really mad to me, but I really enjoy Bayonetta two. Um, Bayonetta two is the uh, die hard of Christmas games. And hmm. I say that because Bayonetta 2 is a Christmas game. It takes place on Christmas. <laughs> they're, they're shopping for Christmas gifts at the beginning of the game. And then it just turns into demon hunting and all this, you know, sex and gore and all that stuff. But it's a Christmas game. Killing God with the power of friendship. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was, it was just, you know, I just really like Bayonetta 2. So I'm excited for Bayonetta 3.
0: Well, there it is, folks. Well, there what, you have what it. What about you, Paul? You never talked about any games you're interested in. Oh no, no, no. That's that's fine. I've I've shared before. Um, I am really looking forward to the Mass Effect Remastered. There, right? There mm-hmm. aren't really any other games I'm looking forward to as much. I just know Mass Effect will consume what little downtime I'll have um, when it releases and in the summer months. Yeah. I know that's gonna something I'll enjoy playing through, reliving those memories. Like, I, I know what is coming, but um, but as technology is improving in let players, streamers, right? And I'm watching different people and their experiences, right. and their experiences are so dissimilar to mine, oh. right? Um, uh, Like some things, you know, they took this character, this party member yeah, so you're and gonna did like something else with them. Yeah,
1: so you're going to play it a lot differently than you did yeah, last time. Yeah,
0: I, I plan on playing it differently than I did the first time.
1: through. Oh speak. Yeah. Speaking of, sorry, one more, one more game, uh, because they had just announced this a couple of days ago. Um, life is strange. Actually, Paul, you might like that. You might like life is strange. Um, have you ever heard of it? I've definitely heard of it. It was an indie darling. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're going to be announcing a new life is strange at square Enix Print presents, uh, next week. And, uh, uh, I played through the first one. I loved it. I, I made a bunch of wrong decisions. I bet no you did. No regrets. Um, and uh, I, I bought the second one. I haven't played through it yet. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see where they're going to take that series if uh, when they announce the new one coming up.
0: Yeah, just something, you know, a game that lets players make decisions. It just seems so, yeah. uh, uh, you know, pl- attracts players, right? Couldn't imagine why. But yeah, th- thanks, listeners, for tuning in. Um, thank you for um, for listening for this past amount of time. I want to remind all of you that um, uh, shout out to Shadow, uh, Shadow Tremell, our audio engineer, who will undoubtedly have to sort through my um, my audio problems that I've been having. So, Shadow, thanks, Shadow, appreciate you. Thank you so much um, shout out to Lucia Lee for the art. Thanks Lucia. And of course, um, and Jabari who is again, working behind the scenes, making sure the podcast gets posted in a timely manner. I uh, remember Tuesdays, 8 PM. Thanks Jabari. Pacific time. So, and I'm um, thank you listener for uh, tuning in. Thanks listener. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, listener, go ahead and, um, give us a rating, uh, Go ahead and, and subscribe um, however you listen to podcasts. We are available. Um, let us give some feedback. So I hope you thoroughly enjoyed episode 10 of season two of the Scroll. On a podcast. I'm Paul Vela. <laughs> That's Grover the IV. Uh, y'all have a good one. Bye. Keep it nerdy.